Hello, everyone, and welcome to Avatar, the podcast. We just want to take a quick minute and interrupt our past selves, because as we've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast, all the episodes you've been listening to have been pre-recorded well in advance. Uh, the reason for that is because I had my first daughter recently, my yeah. first kid ever. So I needed some time just to like adapt to being more of a Hakoda and and less of a Sokka. So <laughs> we took some time. We pre-recorded. We it was so much fun to just like binge with everyone, like have that like yeah. <laughs> luxury again. Uh, but we're coming back into it. We're slowing down. And right when we start back up for recording, guess what they announce? Avatar Studios. Avatar Studios. It's so exciting. We had so many people email into us and we realized after an email from Sam Crab saying like, hey, you didn't talk about Avatar Studios in the last one. We were like, oh, yeah, we should probably we should definitely talk about it. <laughs> we because should address that. We should probably address the, the uh, air bison in the room right now. <laughs> Also, our dream come true, right? Also, yeah, because it was it was getting to the point where I know we still have the books, we still have the graphic novels, we still have core to go through. But my mind was started to wander a little bit, being like, "Oh, what's the next project after Avatar the podcast going to be?" But I guess mm -hmm. I don't have to think about that anymore. I, I guess we're in it for the long haul. I guess. I guess this is going to be the Avatar the podcast for all Avatar content, right? That, that's. I can't be more excited about it. It's, it's going to be the same. Yeah. 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 Like, I feel like we got right back into it right at the ideal time where everyone can join in with us on, through the glory of Netflix. Yeah. And now through the, like this, all this fan love and attention, Avatar Studios can actually be a thing. It can actually be a thing. Also, best part yeah brian and michael are going to run the studio as co-chief creative officers yes. the position that they need yes. to bring the avatar content to life the way it needs to be not like the live action adaptation was uh <laughs> well yeah out to be. i was just gonna say like i wonder what's gonna happen to the live action I, adaptation yeah. are they now. scrap it i don't know i don't know how much work they've done on it like is it worth scrapping at this point they've done a bit of marketing for it they acquired the original ip and like but i did hear paramount plus is getting avatar the last airbender so mm -hmm. is it moving from netflix i don't know i'm wondering the way brian and michael talked about their decision to leave the project it makes it sound like they are going to bring it to to launch they are going to finish it because so much work had already been done mm -hmm. but i kind of feel like it's going to be one of those spider-man things where there's just it's just another iteration of avatar yeah it's another version of avatar with different cast and story but then we're going to get back to the original canon content through the studio itself nice yeah yeah that'll be it'll be exciting maybe we'll have an avatar verse like a multi a multiverse avatar verse i could i could die happy <laughs> but i mean <laughs> like, like well hold on because that means we would probably still get the last <laughs> airbender back yeah <laughs> i don't know how excited i am about that but if we can get an avatar verse that plus the MCU, I mean, it's the best time to be alive, yep. really. <laughs> fair. Totally fair. <laughs> and and speaking of a great time to be alive, I know we say this a lot. We got so many reviews and emails in, and we thought we had a handle on things with Angmail over on the YouTube page, but... And then a baby happened. And a baby happened, and, then... and we fell, fell behind again. So here's here's the updated game plan. Here's, here's what we're going to do. On the episodes, more starting on book three, but on the mm -hmm. episodes, we're going to read a handful of five-star reviews that were through Apple Podcasts. And we have something even more special planned in the pipeline for all of those emails that have come in. We haven't forgotten about you. I know it feels like you probably sent a, a messenger hawk into a void, into an abyss, but <gasps> we do get them and we do love them. And we will be answering everyone very shortly. But we wanted to think of a way to interact with everyone on a more synchronous basis, let's say. Yeah. A more immediate gratification for everyone, including, including ourselves. So stay tuned. We will announce that once we get all the details ironed out. But it'll be a really good time. Yeah. And speaking of which. Speaking of reviews. Speaking of reviews. Let's read a couple now. So the first one we have is 
a wonderful, beautiful, okay, let's just count them. One, two, three, four, five, five-star review. <gasps> There's only going to be five-star reviews that we read. So I don't know why I'm counting them, but I want to. <laughs> five, five-star reviews. Five, five. Ah, ah, ah. You know, I'm getting into that <laughs> Sesame Street kind of mentality. Oh, boy. This one comes from Gizus. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, but, or, you know. Or Gizus <laughs> or Jesus. Jesus, something like that. Anyways, it's a gift for Jeff. It's a gift for Jeff. They write, childhood memories relived and enhanced. First off, I'd like to say how appropriate it is that Mr. Booster loves soccer. It's so formal, Mr. Booster. Mr. Booster. Mr. Booster. Since he is so soccer. Thanks. And the Lady Acorn is a big fan of Katara. She sounds like May, in my opinion, and is just as sweet. I agree. Aww, I would agree. You've, you've said I sound like May before. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> You guys truly are a dynamic duo, and I really appreciate the deep dives you podcasters take into every episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. Couldn't be happier to have caught this podcast before you've even finished the first season. Yeah, like I said, we, it's been a while. So, oh, man. Uh, sorry. Sorry. You've really taken something amazing and added to it, and that's not easy. Thank you guys so much. Heart emoji and like the praying hands emoji. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Sorry it took us a hundred years. A hundred years. A hundred years. I was on an I was on my air bison and it was very stormy. (laughs) And then acorn started to glow and it's a (laughs) hundred years later. Yeah. Honestly, like all jokes aside, really we do appreciate each and every one of you writing in. And we're actively talking about how we can keep up with the messages so you don't feel like we don't see you or don't hear you. So again, stay tuned for those plans. But also, you know, as the podcast grows with the news of the studio, the Avatar studio being a thing in the future, you know, if you have the ability to support us on Patreon, that is actually one of the steps that we're taking to be able to do more, to be able to give you more content, to be up to date. So again, plug in our Patreon head over there, see if you can, um, even like $1, pledge a dollar or five, join the the hundred year war, pick your tribe. And we're really going to be incorporating that into the podcast going forward. But otherwise we see you and we appreciate you. And we're going to do our best to get you soon. Mm-hmm. Also, thank you so much for everyone who has pledged already. It's been so fun for us to see those pledges come in and see what uh, tribes are being picked. We're going to give you an update on that soon. So you'll have an update to the 100 Year War in which tribe on Patreon is currently in the lead. But we've taken the chance to reach out and say thank you. So, you know, the fact that we are already receiving some some love and support just absolutely means the world to us. So thank you so much. Yeah. And, and through those, there was one individual. His name is Jacob. Oh, my God. Yeah. He had said that he listens to the podcast with his daughter, which is really cool. Yes. So. I, I love that. Brought a brought a little tear to my eye and a flutter to my heart as the as <laughs> the kids say. I guess they say I don't know what the kids say anymore. I I had a kid now I'm immediately uncool. So <laughs> that's how that goes. But were you ever cool, Greg? Nah, it's enough. Anyways, the next five star <laughs> review. Yeah, our next review is from Rache, and it's titled "Best Avatar Pod Out There." I found this podcast a few weeks ago, and I binged the first season in no time. Now I'm sad that there will be a small break and it will be one episode a week instead of multiple episodes a day, lol. I really love discussion between Booster and Acorn. It is funny and insightful. They definitely do their research. I love it and I'm excited to keep listening. Well, good news. There's a whole book two of episodes that you can listen to now. (laughs) And this actually brings up a very good point. We will be taking another break after the end of book two, as we do with everything. Uh, We will have you know, some additional content thrown out there in the meantime, but just wanted to let everyone know we are on that horizon. We can see the shore, which means that we get a little shore leave for a little bit. Yeah. Shore leave. Yeah. Spring break, or in this case, summer break, because that is the time of year it is. Oh man, I didn't even think about that. That's wonderful. So then the last review that we're going to read for this episode anyways, comes from Ang's wife. Ang's wife writes, what I didn't know I needed. I have been an Avatar The Last Airbender fan since it first came out, and I was about five. I'm so old. Sorry, that was me, not (laughs) not Aang's wife. To be able to watch it again now that I'm 20 on Netflix, best believe it brought me so much happiness, and it has. (laughs) 
So to find this, yeah, you guys, I love you guys. Thank you. And that review is just peppered, seasoned to perfection with emojis. Uh, (laughs) I love it. So... Thank you so much, Ings White, for that review. And again, apologies for the wait. Thank you so much for being patient. Um, one of the things that we're going to be doing on our shore leave is uh, catching up with all of the emails and the communication, finalizing our plans for the next stage in mm-hmm. our Ang mail. Yes. Our Ang mail project, fun things ahead. And really just getting to a point where we can start book three strong and have not only new content for you, but we're going to be up to date, probably recording on our usual weekly basis versus so much ahead. So again, thank you everyone for being a patient and allowing Greg and his family to experience the the birth of their first child and spend some quality time with her. So thank you. Yeah, thanks. And if anyone's wondering, seven diapers a day. That's that's what it is. That's where we're at. Oh, is that your record? That, that's normal. That's not even a record. Oh my God. That's a, that's a day. That's a day. All right. So I guess we're through interrupting our past selves. So past Greg and Acorn, please take it away. Take it away. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Avatar, the podcast. I am Booster Greg, and of course, we are joined by Acorn Bandit. A single corn bandit. A single corn. I feel like, so uh, we're recording this at night, and we usually record during the day, so I feel a little more smooth, jazzy than normal, because like the mood <laughs> lighting, noticed. and I'm you just kind of like, hello. More- Hello, listeners, and welcome to <laughs> Bedtime Avatar. Wait a minute, that sounds weird. Yep. Anyways. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. This is Avatar, the podcast. This next letter comes in from Ba Sing Se, <laughs> Citizen, and they say, Hey, those members of the Kyoshi Warriors look a little bit different to me. Well, we all noticed that too, friend. Keep vigilant. Thank you for calling in. <laughs> Stay tuned for our next call. <laughs> This next call comes from Appa, and he says, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) But today we are talking about book two, episode 17, Lake Laogai, or as we like to call it, The Secret of Lake Laogai. That's right. And I just want to take a moment to kind of acknowledge that we are only less than a handful of episodes away. From the end of book two. Every time I queue up my Netflix, I see it creeping ever closer to the end of book two. I can't believe we're here. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. I keep on like having to scroll down more to get to the episodes. And I'm just like, how did we get here? This is amazing. This is incredible. It was all a blur. It really was all of, all of a blur. But yes, yeah, so we are getting closer and closer to the book two finale. But we have a couple of stops to make before we get there. This episode was written by Tim Hedrick and was directed by Lauren McMullen. I feel like I'm seeing her name more and more in book two. Yeah, we really have. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Anyways, without further ado, let's just jump right into this, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. So we join Team Avatar as they are making posters to help in their search for Appa. Sokka is lying on his stomach making crude, almost stick figure-esque drawings of the air bison. Well, this is my favorite part of the episode. Toph is just laying down and getting her feet cleaned by Momo. He's just licking her foot. How did I miss that? <laughs> I didn't even see that. I was just like, what is she doing? And like, is Momo licking her foot clean? And she's oh my laying there with a smile on her face. It's kind of funny. And so uh, after a brief cleaning, Katara and Aang run into their home in Ba Sing Se and announce that they have found a printer to make copies of their posters and displays a beautiful rendering of Appa uh, on a lost poster or flyer. Sokka is a bit confused. He thought he was the one designing the poster and he's been working on his Appa drawings all day. He proudly displays one of his drawings of Appa and it's not super great if I want to be nice about it. If anyone uh, was not aware, Sokka is seven. <laughs> Sokka is actually left-handed, too. Not that that has anything to do with his art quality, 
but he's drawing with his left hand, which I found interesting, like a weird choice. That is choice. so interesting. Yeah. I'm left-handed too. Well, there you go. I, that's what I, I'm glad I put in that disclaimer of that. Not that anything to do with this. Yeah. yeah. Before you trash lefties. <laughs> I mean, Simpsons did. Just kidding. Okay. So anyways, he displays this god awful picture of Appa and no one really knows what it looks like other than the arrow on the page. Yeah. It, it kind of looks like a kidney bean with like toothpick sticking out of it yes yes and kind of reminds him gently he's like well you know the arrow is supposed to be on his head right and Sokka's like that is his head and Katara kind of points to his head and goes why are there legs coming out of his head <laughs> Sokka gets a little offended a little defensive and and he just kind of looks at his sister and says well I haven't seen him in a while okay those are supposed to be his horns and he's pretty much holding his head in shame as he says that Toph chimes in with another great zinger and says that she thinks it looks great. And Sokka is like, well, thank you. It took me a while. And he looks at her and he goes, why do you feel the need to do that? <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> Did me too. Yeah. It's very Top is good. such a troll. I love her. It's so good. Because like every episode, I, and I've discussed this, I forget she's blind. And what they did was they reminded me before I could forget in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Which yep. is great. The group decides to stick with the professional version of the poster which looks beautiful it looks amazing and ang takes to the skies and is dropping the posters as he soars above the city and this is a special pun for everyone out there i guess that's why they're called flyers oh my god (laughs) (laughs) anyway as ang drops the flyers we join iroh back at pow's tea shop a seemingly wealthy man approaches iroh and offers him his own tea shop Pow scurries over and tries to keep his prized tea maker by offering a promotion or two. You could be assistant manager. No, senior assistant manager. But the offer of his own tea shop with complete creative control and a brand new apartment is too much for Iroh to refuse. He politely hands the tea kettle to Pow and bows his head as a sign of respect. Did you hear, nephew? This man wants to give us our own tea shop in the upper ring of the city, Iroh says to Zuko as he walks by. But Zuko remains unimpressed and heads outside for a quick break. It is outside of the shop where a single Appa poster gently falls into Zuko's hands. He recognizes the drawing immediately. Maybe, here's a side note, maybe they should have stuck with Sokka's rendition. (laughs) And climbs to the rooftop to see who dropped this poster. But the skies are empty. However, Zuko knows what this means. The Avatar is in Ba Sing Se. Dun, 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 dun. And here's the light switch again. Here's where yep. Zuko sees the Appa flyer and then suddenly he's consumed with his quest. Yes, yes. It's almost like he's brainwashed or something. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Also, just the the way to Ira's heart is either through tea or offering him his own tea shop. I and know. I love that. I think it's really funny that the, what's he called? The Dragon of the West. Mm-hmm. This mythical, almost general in the fire nation army has a dream of owning just a tea shop yeah living like just a quiet yeah humble life yeah it's 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 really interesting to see what like the myth can be versus the person or the legend versus the person this is the only casting note that i have for this episode Mm. the wealthy man is named kwan i believe is how it's pronounced Mm -hmm. and is voiced by kurt fuller if that name sounds kind of familiar, he's not much of a voice actor, but he has done a lot of live action roles. If you've seen the movie Wayne's World, he was Russell. Oh. If you've seen Ghostbusters 2, he was Hardemeyer. He was the mayor's assistant that successfully managed to get the Ghostbusters committed. He's also been in Supernatural, The Good Wife, and Psych. Oh, fun. Yeah. I have a note about Quan the character. Yes. I read that Quan is a wealthy young merchant and a known tea aficionado from a family of Ba Sing Se entrepreneurs. Huh. He expanded his family fortune by starting several businesses of his own, including Ba Sing Se's first trans wall food delivery service, which allowed middle and upper ring customers to acquire their favorite lower ring delicacies without the hassle and danger of actually traveling to the lower ring themselves. And his ultimate goal was to become the tea baron of Ba Sing Se. 
So he made Uber Eats, but for Ba Sing Se. He basically made, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ba Uber Eats. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> uh, all right. So Aang returns to their city home is what I'm going to call it. Some people have summer homes. They have a city home. And announces that he has finished dropping all of the posters and asks if they've heard anything yet. Katara does remind him that it's only been a day and he needs to be a little more patient. Aang sits down for literally two or three seconds when there's a knock at the door. Patience really pays off, Aang says as he rushes to the door. Oh, Aang. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, that, that, that was a great idea. This really worked. It's like, no, that's the op. All right, fine. When he opens it, the original Judy is standing there smiling at the young avatar. She creepily greets each member of the group individually and tells the group that she did not disappear from the king's party like they thought. She simply took a short vacation to Lake Laogai out in the country, and it was quite relaxing. When Katara tells Judy that they tried replacing her with another woman with the same name, Judy looks a bit confused and can only really say, I'm Judy. It's odd. It is odd. Yeah, like the way she greeted each member of the group, she was like, hello, Aang. Hello, Toph. Hello, Sokka. Hello, Katara. It's like, what? So robotic and creepy. Judy tells the group that dropping flyers and putting up posters in the city is not permitted without proper clearance. When Judy tries to forbid the group from continuing their campaign, Aang loses his temper and yells that he doesn't care about the rules or her permission. They are going to find Appa and she needs to stay out of their way. Aang's been like passing through these phases, almost at the like the stages of grief. He was like mm. super bummed, in denial. Now he's in the anger phase. It's like, don't get in his way. He is going to find his bison come hell and high water. He is going to do it. Yeah, I viewed it as him kind of learning when to assert himself because he doesn't really do that a lot as the avatar. And at this point, he's at the end of his rope. He's just like, you know what? I can't do with this anymore. Like, we're so close yet so far. We haven't really made much movement. This woman, get out of here. And Mm -hmm. he he flexes his avatar muscle. He's just like, no, I'm doing what I want. I'm the avatar. This is what I want to do. And it's great because also no one can do anything to stop him. Not really. Yeah. That might come back to bite us in the blubber, Sokka says as Aang slams the door on Judy's face. But Toph is just excited to break some rules. And she starts <laughs> by sending out a large earthbending blast that blows a hole in their house. I love this. She's so good. She's like, yeah, let's break some rules. Foosh. <laughs> She's been waiting for this. Well, it's interesting, too. Like, Bossing Se has been a change of pace for the team. Yeah. Because they've been out exploring the world. So, like, the fact that they're settled in nice. Even Toph is probably getting them stir crazy. Toph maybe a little mm-hmm. less so because I feel like she's just been with the team maybe a month, maybe two. Because they mentioned it's been a couple weeks that have passed. Yeah. Since um, later on in the episode, since Jet was taken. So it's been at least, I want to say a month. Word gets to Longfang who meets with Judy in his evil little library lair. He tells her how disappointed he has been with her inability to control the children. Judy gets upset and tells Longfang that it isn't her fault. The group just doesn't trust her anymore. Her sobbing is ended abruptly when Longfang says, The Earth King has invited you to Lake Laogai. I am honored to accept his invitation, Judy says, with her eyes dilated and her calm demeanor restored. Longfang excuses her and tells her to await further orders. He then says that he worries about the delicate balance and how it might be interrupted if the Avatar is allowed to continue a search. But instead of taking him out in a public display, he has a plan that will allow for a more quiet approach. I love it. It's so evil. Yes. Once again, Long Fang is still the best bad guy. Yep. Yep. He's just a better Zhao. Yep. And note about the term Lao Gai. I read Mm -hmm. that it was an abbreviation for Lao Dong Gai Zhou, Mm -hmm. which means reform through labor. And of course, was probably mispronounced. I apologize. (laughs) It referred to the use of prison labor in the People's Republic of China. The Laogai were a series of camps where opponents of the Chinese Communist Party were sent to work as slave labor. Hmm. So w- once again, I just love how the team has picked out these different details and names and concepts and places from different parts of history. So once again, here's yeah. like a direct link to something nefarious that is used in the show in a nefarious way. Yeah. Zuko returns home while Iroh is packing up their apartment. 
Iroh mentions that he's been thinking about names for his new tea shop and is considering the Jasmine Dragon. Zuko interrupts his uncle by showing him the flyer and tells Iroh that the Avatar is in the city. Iroh reminds Zuko that they have a good thing going on and a chance for a new life here. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Just as a side note. Yeah. Sounds kind of familiar. Anyways, uh, they could lose everything if he stirs up any kind of trouble. Zuko lashes out like a typical teenager and says that all the good things are only really happening to Iroh, and he wants more out of life than a nice apartment and a job serving tea. Iroh tries to remind his nephew that there is nothing wrong with a life of peace and prosperity, but Zuko's mind is made up. He wants his destiny. Iroh tells his nephew that what that means exactly is up to the young prince. I gotta say, I love that one moment at the end where... They're having a serious conversation. And then Iroh's like, the tea weevil. No, no that's, that's stupid. stupid. <laughs> I just love how it's it's almost like this constant thread in the back of his mind. No matter what's going on, what he's talking about, he's thinking through he's the names. Always, and so yes. he's like, but I love how he's his own, he's his own critic. He's like, the tea weevil. No, that's stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> so, it's, so, it's so great. Uh, something I do <laughs> want to point out too with Iroh again, there's a couple times in this episode, it wasn't here. But it sounds like maybe Greg Baldwin took over, like maybe re-recording yeah. a couple lines. So I think what happened is they recorded, and I can't find anything to justify this. This is just pure Greg speculation at this point. But I think what happened is they recorded all of book two. Unfortunately, Mako died. And they were like, oh, we need to re-record some things or, you know, maybe something was damaged or files corrupted or whatever. Yeah. So we heard it a lot more last episode, but there are some things in this episode and the next episode where I'm like, that's not him. It's close, yep. but it's not him. Yeah, for sure. Back with Team Avatar, Sokka decides to split up the group to cover more ground and suggests that Toph go with him when they're hanging up posters. Toph gets a little offended with Sokka with the even the notion that she is incapable of posting flyers. So she snags one of the flyers from Sokka with a swift motion, glues it to the wall, but it's backwards. The drawings are facing towards the wall. <laughs> Yeah, it's like flipped over, wrong side. And everyone's kind of like, do I tell her? Do you want to tell her? Do you want to tell her? And she, and, <laughs> and what's even funnier is she says, let me guess, it's upside down. So she doesn't even realize that it's backwards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. So after a moment of disappointment, she agrees to go with Sokka. While Katara is putting up posters, she hears a familiar voice call out her name. When she turns around, she sees Jet walk up to her and smugly says that he thinks he can help her. Katara immediately goes on the offensive and literally like water bends these tidal waves <laughs> on either side of her and washes the leader of the Freedom Fighters into a nearby alley. Jet tries to plead with Katara that he actually can help, but she ignores his words and throws ice shards at the young fighter. Jet lays down his swords and reaches for something in his shirt. When Katara sees this, she pins him to the wall without a moment's hesitation. It is revealed that what he was reaching for was the poster of Appa that he found somewhere in the city. The rest of the group rushes up to Katara and she tells him that Jet's back and that the reason for his return cannot be good. I'm here to help you find Appa, Jet says, and Aang is willing to give the rebel another chance. Jet swears that he's changed and has left his troubled life and gang behind. Katara still thinks that he's lying, but Toph walks over to the wall that Jet is pinned to and lays her hand against it. She can feel his breathing, his heartbeat, and she tells the group that there are actual physical changes that happens when someone is lying, and Jet is not exhibiting these. It's like Daredevil for anyone at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I just, Toph just keeps showing these new talents of hers. It's like, her seismic sense goes so far, and we keep finding yeah. new ways that she uses it. Yeah, and I wonder how she developed that one or how she figured that one out. I want to say it's just a sensitivity to what's around her. And so after so many years of feeling people talking around her, she would pick up these differences. I wonder if it was like people talking to her dad and lying to her dad. I, I bet. Yeah, I feel like I that was so. it. Being able to like sniff out a con artist or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jed is apparently telling the truth. Without any other leads to go on, Team Avatar has no choice but to follow Jet to a dimly lit but very much opalous warehouse. Katara assumes this is a trap, but Jet tells the group that he works nearby and he overheard two guys talking about some giant furry creature they had, and he just assumed it must be Appa. 
Toph finds a clump of Appa's fur, which confirms that he was here at some point. A janitor, my favorite character so far in this yeah. episode, named Sweepy. Old, old Sweepy, <laughs> enters the room sweeping, <laughs> enters the room sweeping and tells the group that the beast was just shipped out yesterday to some royal type on Whale Tail Island. What a whale of a tail. What a whale of a tail indeed. When the group looks at the map, they realize that Whale Tail Island is actually really far away. It's right near the South Pole and would take them just weeks to get to the tip of the Earth Kingdom. Aang doesn't really seem to care. If there's a chance he's there, they have to go look. The group finally agrees, and when Jet offers to join them, Katara kind of snaps at him and says they don't need his help. Toph can't help but notice the dramatic and maybe a little sexual tension between the two, and asks if Katara and Jet were together at one point. Katara denies this immediately and Toph teases that she can tell Katara is lying. Was this guy your boyfriend or something? No, what? No, of course not. And she, like, she looks away immediately. Like her yes. face. I, I just love old Sweepy. I didn't put him too much in my notes, but like because ultimately this is his point to be like, oh, yes, they went to Whale Tail Island. But he very mm. much rem- reminded me of Scruffy from Futurama. Where he's just like there. He's a little less bitter, but he's just like, like they're all devising this plan and old Sweepy's just like, I haven't had a vacation in years. And that's just his perception. (laughs) And they're like, shut up, Sweepy. Yeah. They're like, like, knock it off. All right. I see. I see. You're done with old Sweepy. So old Sweepy just goes away. He says something like that. And I'm just like, oh, (laughs) pal. He's so used to just being just like absolutely just like he's used down to being upon. part of the background yeah. yes yeah being part of the scenery this was his time to shine <laughs> yeah three lines <laughs> outside on the streets the group agrees to come back once they have appa toff is so happy to leave the quote-unquote worst city ever <laughs> but celebrations are cut short when smellerby and longshot appear and run towards jet smellerby hugs jet and tells him that they were worried after the Dai Li took him away Jet seems genuinely confused because he was never taken away by the Dai Li. And even if he was, why would they take him away? He's been living a peaceful life in the city. Toph feels the ground next to both of the freedom fighters and can tell that they are both telling the truth. Katara is immediately suspicious because Jet told them that he's no longer with the freedom fighters. And yet here Mm -hmm. are two of them, right? And she's also like, wait, they can't both be telling the truth because obviously she thinks Jet is lying. She's going to agree Smellerby over Jet. Sokka does kind of not correct his sister, but kind of steps in and says that Toph can't tell which one is lying because they both think they're telling the truth. And then he makes this like historic leap in rationale, in my opinion, where he's like, Jet must be brainwashed. I was wondering (laughs) about that. Yeah. I mean, first of all. I had the thought, like, this is a small town guy who grew up in the South Pole. Like, how did he learn about brainwashing to be able to make that logically? Yeah. But oh, well. I mean, I think they kind of suspect something's going on with like the whole Judy kind of dilemma and how she's just like completely denying the war or anything like that. And like a lot of people like it's not the brainwashing thing that I worry about. It's that Sokka is like, oh, it must be Jet who is brainwashed not that smellerby is brainwashed it must be jet oh yeah yeah there's yeah, also yeah. that i do i do see yours and now that you brought that up i do kind of like now that i'm thinking about that obviously but for me i was like how do you know which one is brainwashed yeah anyways it just moves the plot along so i'll, I'll forgive it uh, exactly yeah. ultimately it's we'll we'll swallow it it's yeah. fine yeah uh jet feels the group surrounding him and freaks out as he yells this can't be right Elsewhere in the city, the blue spirit draws a Daily agent into an empty alleyway. When the agent attacks what he thinks is the blue spirit, it just turns out to be a blue scarecrow. I couldn't come up with a clever name for it. So I'm just calling it blue scarecrow. I like it. The blue scarecrow. Enemy of crows <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so the Daily agent attacks the scarecrow, which gives Zuko the opportunity to sneak up and press his blade against the agent's throat. If you don't want to end up like him, You'll do what I say, Zuko tells the agent, because the agent like demolished the scarecrow. Yeah, two things here. Yes. It was a little concerning how the Daily agent like was not upset or he didn't have any reaction when he basically decapitated the straw blue spirit doll. Yes. Or blue spirit scarecrow. Yeah. Like, does that indicate they're used to getting their hands dirty in a 
gruesome yes. way at times. Like yes. he basically just quote unquote killed the scarecrow and he's like another day, just another Tuesday. Well, it's like, and what, what was the blue spirits ultimately? What was this crime? Cause I assume that they haven't heard of the blue spirit because they're still yeah. like yeah. insulated. He right? was just running through the street. He like knocked into him and he said, watch out skinny. I love that. Yeah. Although it is like, Everyone knows that Zuko is the blue spirit at this point, but it's still jarring for me to hear Zuko's voice come out of the blue spirit character for me some too. reason. Yeah. And I don't know, like I, he just never spoke before. So now that he's speaking in this disguise, it's like, uh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the second thing though, is we, we get a good shot of the daily agent's outfit here because he's mm -hmm. walking through the alleys and stuff mm -hmm. uh i found out the dialy's costumes appear to be modeled after the government agents or mandarins of the Qing dynasty in china huh interesting so fun fact the rest of the upper ring remember was modeled after the tang dynasty so they're getting a lot of inspiration from the older timelines of china the older mm. cultures of china Makes sense, especially since Ba Sing Se has been so separated from the rest of the world. Like mm -hmm. a lot of their styles and and architecture might seem outdated because they just yeah, haven't really changed too much. Yeah, self-contained. Yeah, exactly. Uh, something else that I want to point out is that the Dai Li are usually very stealthy. Mm -hmm. So I think that the fact that Zuko is able to one up them in stealth is just super impressive. Oh yeah, like he just ran past them as if nothing and i think the daily agent was caught off guard because he's like no one usually sees me this is weird <laughs> right so yeah so back with team avatar jet finds himself in an unknown building surrounded by the gang smellerby and longshot the group comes to the conclusion that the warehouse was just a way to mislead them and to get them to leave the city so appa must still be around in bossing say ang asks where the daily took jet but jet doesn't really know what ang is talking about Aang tells the group that they need a way to jog his memories. Sokka teases and says that maybe a kiss from his sister would help. But that idea doesn't go over too well with Aang or Katara. <laughs> Sokka then plucks a straw from the nearby mattress and shoves it in Jet's mouth, which also doesn't work. I mean, good try. I can <laughs> see the logic there. I love that because he's like, wait, something's missing. Oh, wait, I got it. Boop. <laughs> and he, like, he like stays in front of him like a couple inches away and just like... Puts his chin on his on his yeah. hand and just waits. <laughs> just waits. I don't think it's working. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Aang was not a fan of the kissing nope. plan. Nope. He actually says, almost like put off, like, yeah, that was a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. And poor Sokka still doesn't understand what's going on between his sister and his best friend. <laughs> I don't think he does. He definitely he, doesn't. Like, he teases them for being gushy, but I don't think it's, I don't think he thinks it's serious, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he actually considers his sister a girl to begin with. It's just his sister. Who would have love interests. Right, yeah. yeah well, like he does tease her about Jet, but I don't think he, yeah, I don't think he takes it as seriously as other people would. Yeah, and also Aang is, is Aang. So there's also that where Jet is very like mysterious. And actually they talked in uh, one of the director's commentaries. I think it was the last episode we covered where like, they found the fan base on Jet is pretty divided. It's usually either they find Jet really attractive or they find Jet like really troubled and therefore like unattractive or they just don't care. Mm -hmm. Those are like the three options, which is I found pretty interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe that's also why Sokka has a man crush on Jet. So that's why he, <laughs> he considers that. <laughs> yeah. And anxious his little buddies. Yeah. Nice little buddy avatar. Yeah. Uh, when Toph suggests that Jet should think of something that triggers his emotions, Smellerby tells her friend to remember what the Fire Nation did to his family. Jet closes his eyes and remembers how his town burned at the hands of Monk and the rough rhinos. He snaps himself out of it because remembering is just too painful. Katara tries to help by using the healing properties of water to clear his mind. So she like bends the water around her hands and kind of like places them over his ears and his head a little bit. Uh, this does help because he's able to remember that he was taken to a headquarters underwater somewhere. It was like a lake is what he says. Jet tells the group this information. And when they hear the word lake, they remembered that Judy said she went to Lake Logai on her vacation. This can't be a coincidence. And hearing the name, Jet says that sounds super familiar. So now we have a destination. 
good sleuthing team. Yeah, they were just like, wait a minute. One plus one equals two. So then two plus two equals four. We're going to Lake Logai, everyone. Let's go. <laughs> yep. Just got a note here. That surreal memory recollection scene was so well done where he like looked down in his hands oh, and there's so like the backlight. Yeah. Oh, and then like the flickering light and the the wooden planks of the floor like would turn into and like fade into the lake. And then Long Feng was standing there and then he drops below the water, which is so Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Oh, so oh my good. God. Now that's all I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> Simple and clean. Yes. Oh, man. Or my sanctuary, depending which one you mm-hmm. want to go with. I don't know. When the group arrives at the lake, they are unable to find any sort of entrance. Toph is able to see the entrance under the water using her seismic sense and Earth bends a rock path along with the en- entrance right out of the water. The group enters the hidden base and Jet begins to remember more with every step they take. As the group sneaks through, they walk past a room full of Judies in the process of being brainwashed. Eesh. Yeah, that was creepy. That was like so well drawn and colored. Yeah, because it's it almost had like a fisheye lens effect yeah. where it made everything warped and roundish. Yes. And everyone's eyes were so wide and dilated. It was creepy. And even the brainwasher is so like monotone and just like says what he needs to say and they repeat yeah. it and it's... Ugh. It's so creepy. Well, okay. So like a note on that, actually, I learned from the originally on the old Nickelodeon site, they mentioned that the Dialy agent who was the one who trained the Judies was picked for the assignment because of his dazzling smile, which is the model for the permanent grin on every Judy. Yeah, so that came from the original Nick site, which is now defunct. It right. doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But I was disappointed because if that was the original plan, they could have animated this one Daily agent to like be reciting that monotone, with this monotone lines with a smile. Yeah. How much better would that be? That would have been so much better. Yeah. Oh, man. Missed opportunity. Oh, well. Yeah. On the note of brainwashing, though, I also read that Long Fang was supposed to be the one who developed this technique that was used by the Dai Li. Oh, I believe it. I absolutely believe that. Oh, yeah. That. Right? With how, with how, like, deep and soothing his voice can be. And how nefarious he is. Yes, and, like, yes. His, his office is basically in a creepy greenlit library, so who yes. knows how much he studied. Can you imagine if, like, he wasn't actually evil to begin with, and then he got this, like creepy like green fire green lit library and he goes well i guess i know what my career is now and just like (laughs) has to become it because that's his office now (laughs) silly (laughs) uh that's how my brain works oh my environment is this i must be this now okay bye (laughs) they walk by the room full of judy's jet remembers that there's a cell that is definitely large enough to hold appa and it's just right up ahead and he brings the group to this room the door opens and appa stands up to greet the blue spirit question mark expecting someone else zuko asks the sky bison as he unsheathes his swords and walks towards appa the door that team avatar actually opened leads into a room containing long fang and a group of daily agents ready to ambush the gang they're actually hanging from the ceiling some of them like batman kind of yeah like creepy earthbending spiders yeah like michael keaton batman i'm gonna be more specific before yeah. someone like comes at me and they're just like there and, and Sokka looks up and he goes well that's different and like, he's so just like <laughs> not afraid that they're trapped in a room with a whole bunch of earthbenders that are like the deadliest of the earthbenders in ba sang long feng orders the agents to take the group into custody but team avatar is not going down without a fight the Daili square off, and we are able to see a much more subtle earthbending style at times. But when Long Fang escapes during the fight, Aang and Jet chase after him. Oh my God, this part. Yes. I'm like, I was like screaming at my TV, like, yes, Toph, I'll bend those suckers. She did such a good, because like, they're not used to this, right? Like, I don't think there are many earthbenders of note in Ba Sing Se. Right. They're probably very, um, Actually, that's a whole thought process there, because if there are other earthbenders in Bossing Say, which I 100 percent expect, they must control their earthbending training mm-hmm. like anything else in the city. So I'm almost thinking like uh, with Master Yu being instructed by Toph's parents to only teach her the basic levels of yeah. earthbending. I almost wonder if the same thing happens, like you, they only teach their citizens so much so they could never uh, rise up against the government. Well, it could also be another um, instrument of fear, right? 
I don't know how long mm-hmm. Long Feng has been in power for, but I wonder if he's also just recruiting all of the good earthbenders or the people who can earthbend worth a damn, essentially. And he's like, yeah. all right, you're working for me now. And if you don't like it, you're either going to A, get brainwashed or B, I'm going to kill your family. Something like that. Right. It was actually very interesting, too, to see, in my opinion, Toph exploding the the gauntlets the rock gauntlets because that's all they have like that's their big thing is they take people out with stealth and if that doesn't work on her then they have to like kind of revert back to like the large flashy almost uh Mm -hmm. what was it earth rumble six kind of earth bending (laughs) so to speak yeah yeah oh man in the part where she launches herself up on a pillar and the dilate agents follow her and then from the walls of the cavern they like shoot these pillars of rock at her and she just jumps on yep. top and like knocks them out like oh, oh my gosh top is amazing but also the way that she took out those gauntlets yes it was almost like a like a force grasp from star wars yeah yeah i can see that yeah 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 I, I was wondering too i don't know if you had any insight on this i can't figure out how they i can understand how the daily agents hang from the ceiling but i can't figure out how they run on walls like so fast I was thinking about that too. I want to say, this is my head canon. This is my okay. reasoning. I think their style of earthbending is so particular and nuanced in like, because we were talking about this in the last episode, how the use of and production of their stone gloves is very fine-tuned. It's yeah. not as large, blunt, and direct as other styles of earthbending. So I almost want to think that their shoes... Because they're also earthbenders who wear shoes, right? I think their shoes are made out of earth as well. And as they're running along the wall, it's almost like like gravity boots where whenever it makes contact with the rock, it fuses and keeps them upright. Okay. I'm into that. I was thinking like they weren't earthbending. And then when they had to stay still, they started earthbending. So they got like that running start when they were actually running like a real world. And then they just like cemented themselves in. But... Mm-hmm. That also feels like they'd be dangling. I feel like gravity would get the better of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Long Fang kind of just like pieces out like a supervillain would at that point. And Aang and Jet are the ones to chase after him. When the two allies enter what looks like a boss battle room for all intents and purposes. I've seen this yes, room in video yes. games multiple times. <laughs> Long Fang bends the door to the room shut and gives Aang one last chance to leave the city if he ever wants to see Appa again. You're in no position to bargain, Jet yells at Long Fang. Am I not? Long Fang says with a smirk. You're definitely not. Aang gets into a fighting position because it's two on one after all. Jet, the Earth King has invited you to Lake Laogai, Long Fang says as Jet's pupils dilate and he accepts the invitation and then starts attacking the Avatar. You know what this reminded me of? What? Bucky Barnes in Winter Soldier. Interesting. Yeah, because he was so Bucky in Winter Soldier was a sleeper, a Russian sleeper yep. agent. And yep. with this very specific series of words, he was activated, much That's like right. this catchphrase that Long Fang delivers. Yes. And I, that it does feel like an old trope, too, where it's just like, oh, you uh-huh. think this guy's your ally? Well, guess what? Secret passphrase. He was a plant the whole time. Secret passphrase. Secret <laughs> passphrase. Turning you evil. <laughs> Secret, 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 passphrase. Okay. Well done. Well done. (laughs) Elsewhere in the base, Iroh enters the room with Zuko and Appa. Iroh acts like he doesn't know who could be behind the mask, but it's obvious in his tone that he already knows. He's kind of like, who could that be? The blue spirit. And Zuko's Mm -hmm. like, all right. Takes off his mask. Hi, uncle. So he sighs, takes off his mask and asks his uncle what he's doing there. Like, Iroh, what are you doing here, pal? Imagine if Zuko actually talked to his uncle that way. <laughs> hey, hey, uncle. What you doing here, pal? Hey, what, you do, what you doing here, pal? Buddy? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I was just about to ask you the same thing, Iroh says. What do you plan to do now that you've found the Avatar's bison? Keep him locked in our new apartment? Should I put on a pot of tea for him? When Zuko says he just needs to get the bison out, that's when Iroh really begins to yell. It's become clear to Iroh that Zuko's never really had a plan after he actually obtains the Avatar. He's been very meticulous in getting to the Avatar, but once he gets the Avatar, it just all crumbles because there's never a solid plan. 
he even brings up the fact of what happened at the end of book one as an example. He was like, you had him in your clutches and you just ran off into the snow. You would have frozen to death. This is what I found super interesting is Iroh brings this information to Zuko's attention and it's really Team Avatar that saved Zuko as well. They didn't just save yeah. Aang, they saved Zuko, which is like mind-blowing if you think about it. Yeah, because they're the heroes. They're the protagonists. So, right. of course, they're going to save someone's life. They couldn't cold-heartedly leave someone in the snow right. to die. And I don't think Zuko ever considered that either, that he, no. his life was saved by them. It's crazy. I know my own destiny, Uncle, Zuko protests. But Iroh asks if this is his own destiny or a destiny being forced upon him by someone else. Iroh then begs his nephew to look inside of himself and ask the big question, who are you and what do you want? Zuko yells and throws down his swords and mask. So what we have going on in here, and this has occurred to me as I'm sure it has occurred a lot of other people out there listening, we have a parallel journey of brainwashing going on right mm -hmm. now. We have two different forms. We kind of have the long form and the short form. So if you look at it this way, Ozai has been brainwashing his own son after his wife left or mm -hmm. yeah, after, after she vanished. Right. And it's worked so well that even years after a banishment, he's still kind of holding on to this. Zuko has gone through so much, even over the past book, either what couple months, he's grown so much and he still cannot shake this brainwashing. He thinks he has, but it still kind of uproots itself. And then we have Jet. Yeah. Jet, who is also the dual wielding bad boy from the other side of the tracks kind of thing going on, who has the short form, which is kind of like leaves him confused. And like there's there's holes in the story where it's a complete rework of his personality, where Zuko's brainwashing kind of roots itself in his personality. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing the story happen to Jet and we're just like, snap out of it. Like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And like, we're saying the same things about Zuko. But we don't realize what we're saying, I think, or why we're rooting for him. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, even though one version is long form manipulation and brainwashing and yeah. the other is a short form brainwashing, I feel like in some ways they're equally as strong. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Because it's so hard to break a narrative that you've been fed and have accepted your whole life. Yeah. Just as it's hard, it's really hard to call back memories that you've lost, that you've forgotten. Yeah. So I just thought it was very interesting that we have these two parallel fighters, warriors, characters mm -hmm. so similar to one another. They both have this hatred towards another group, well, group on Jet's end and then being on Zuko's yeah. end. And they're fueled by this, but it's not really up to them. Ultimately, what kind of happens? Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. The, the similarities and, and this episode really lets them shine through. Yeah, and they also have their own uh, guides, I guess. Zuko has Uncle and Jet has Smellerby and Longshot, like yeah. mentors almost, mentors and friends. But man, this scene with Uncle... It's so good. Oh my gosh. I think Uncle is at the end of his rope with Zuko. After oh, everything they've been through, after yep. everything they've gone through in Bossing Say, after all of the gentle reminders and restructuring of Zuko's expectations, just reminding Zuko like it's not shameful to live a pleasant humble easy existence in a city like just forget this this narrative that you've been fed about recovering your honor and going back home like you've seen your family you've seen azula you know the truth just let it go well he's at the point now where he is dishing out some really hard facts and forcing zuko to look at his behavior and actually decide what he wants to do not what he's been told to do well, he has to because he's been trying to use the kitty gloves method, so to speak, on yeah. Zuko this whole time. It has been working. Now it's time for tough love. Now it's time. Yep. Here are the facts. Here's what you need to learn. Are you your father's son or are you your own man? Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. Back with Aang and Jet, Aang tries to break through the brainwashing and pleads for the young rebel to recognize his actions and to stop. Wong Fang chimes in with that usual supervillain bad guy stuff like he doesn't have a chance. He doesn't have a choice like blah, blah, like, you know, all that like typical bad guy stuff. But when Aang reminds Jet that he is a freedom fighter, Jet remembers his old gang, current friends, Katara and past missions. And then for a brief moment, remembers his town burning at the hands of the rough rhinos. These memories snap Jet back to reality 
and he throws his sword at Long Fang. Like he like not just like a toss like like Zuko just did. He like goes for decapitation. He chucks it yeah. across the room. Long Fang dodges the attack and responds with a fatal earth bending attack and runs off. Foolish boy, you've chosen your own demise, he says as he takes his exit. And this I thought this was a very um sobering reminder at mm-hmm. how dangerous bending can be against yep. non-benders. Yeah. Because even someone like Zuko, who is incredibly skilled at his dual swords, who could possibly handle this just because of his intense training, like Jet was just outmatched. He is a non-bender and he's not as skilled as Zuko with regular swords that are not bending related. And yeah. so, yeah, he got bested here and it was really, really sad to see. They showed a lot without showing a lot. Because they don't yes, actually they show the attack. They show like this dust cloud appear and then it mm-hmm. settles and you see a pillar and then you see Jet on the ground. It insinuates everything. Yes. My head canon is that if he had ever survived this somehow, he's paralyzed from the neck down. I was going to ask what you thought happened to him. And that was my thought, too. Yeah. Um, I want to say that it's been suggested in canon that Jet passed after this scene that this was his final moments i also had canon that the rock hit him and the impact of the ground hit him in a certain way that broke his back and he is paralyzed and i was thinking if he does die here there's probably something going on inside like internal bleeding something was ruptured like something he wouldn't be able to recover which we're going to see in a second when katara uses her healing water bending on him and she's like "Ooh, it is not good like i don't think this is something you could just mend and put back together i think it's it's fatal Yeah. yeah it's done yeah yeah jet is laying on the ground and he's unable to move he apologizes to ang for his actions The rest of the group rushes into the room and sees Jet lying there, and it is clear that this is not good. Katara tries to use her healing abilities on Jet, but they don't seem to work. Smellerby tells the team to go find Appa. They will take care of their own. Katara doesn't want to just abandon the rebels, but Longshot speaks up for once in his life. The (laughs) one and only time we hear Longshot speak and reminds them that there is no time. They will take care of their leader. Jet smiles a little and tells Katara that he will be fine. As Team Avatar is leaving the room, Toph whispers to Sokka that Jet was lying. Oh. Yeah. That got me. Also, the way that his his friends were there for him, like, it made me emotional to watch Jet go from being this, like, kind of despicable person with really terrible morals and objectives in life to then go to a new city try to make a new life for himself, kind of trip up a couple times and like not really do the greatest there, but then ultimately die trying to help save Aang, the Avatar. And then watching his people, his team members who've been with him through thick and thin, who stuck by his side through all of this, one of them is on the ground comforting him, warning his inevitable passing while the other stands above them to protect them. Like, oh. It's very interesting to see the parallels between team avatar and the rebels at this point if you mm-hmm. so take take i'm going to say this and please forgive me take Toph out of the equation for a minute just for yeah. a minute so we have the original team avatar the trio we have katara ang and sokka mm-hmm. sokka is long shot katara yep. is uh smeller b and obviously jet is ang in this scenario so we have like a very mothering almost like because because smeller b is holding jet like in her yeah. arms as he's fading i would assume and Longshot is just like protecting the two of them. Mm-hmm. It's just like the parallels in this episode is just ridiculous when you really kind of break it down oh, and think about it. That really hits me too, man. Yeah. Like Longshot is just, wow. Like when he, when he took his arrow out and he was just like, I'm here until we're ready. Yeah. Like last stand, I'm here. I'm poised. If anyone attacks us, like I got it, but we may not make it out alive, but that's fine because this is going to be our last stand. Yeah. Katara, Aang, and Sokka finally make it to Appa's cell, only to find it empty. Thinking that Long Fang beat them to the cell, the group rushes back to the surface in order to catch up with the evil mastermind. When they do, they are ambushed by more Dai Li agents, and Long Fang is waiting for them. The agents bend the earth around Team Avatar so they have nowhere to run, and things don't look so good for the gang. But when Momo flies down and directs their attention to the skies, we see Appa come soaring down to the rescue. 
Appa is able to demolish the walls created by the Dai Li agents in one move, and Toph and Aang jump into action, and Earthbend more, sending almost all of them flying into the lake. Longfang tries to attack Appa by himself, but he is easily thrown like a skipping rock into the lake. <laughs> you don't mess with Appa. It's so funny because he does that like Liu Kang like jump kick and Appa just catches him in his mouth and just tosses him into the water yeah. and spits out <laughs> his shoe afterwards. It's so good. I missed you, buddy. Ang tells his long lost friend as he hugs him. He does that like Ang jump into his forehead and just holds him and just like nestles in his in his fur. That part really got me because... Aang said, I missed you, buddy. And then it goes, the camera goes over to Appa's eye and Appa just like closes it in contentment. It's it, like, it kills me. And, and he knows he can finally relax a little bit. He can exactly. let his guard down. That's so good. Zuko and Iroh climb out of the base after all of the action. You did the right thing, nephew. Iroh tells Zuko, leave it behind. And Zuko does just that as he tosses the blue spirit mask into the water and watches it slowly sink to the bottom of the lake. Ugh, his second mask, I should remind us all. It's funny that they made such like this big deal about this mask and that's not even his original mask. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the replacement he bought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the symbolism but the, is there. But the so. symbolism. Yeah, yes. the thought's there for sure. And that's the episode. What a good episode. Yeah, it was really good. Like, it was a very good mix of action and drama. Yeah. And there was a lot of subtle stuff in there that was really cool. Like it wasn't as fact-based as we usually get, I feel like, because mm -hmm. there's, there's a couple of really good things in there, but this is more about developing the characters more and really going yeah. through it. Yeah, definitely a lot of symbolism, a lot of lessons, yeah. morals. Yeah. Yeah, very much. Speaking of morals, what's your moral of the episode? <laughs> oh, man. Even after all the drama of the episode, I feel like going with a silly moral. Okay. Like, if you ever get an invitation in the mail to a beautiful scenic lakeside retreat and it's signed the Earth King, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. For me, I don't, I don't have like a, like a fun, punchy thing, like uh, moral of the episode, kind of like I normally do. But I, what I think I got out of this episode is kind of thinking about your wants and desires and trying to feel about like feel where those come from like what is mm -hmm. the purpose not the purpose but like how did that get there like if i'm if i'm hungry and i'm like oh i want to eat like four pints of ice cream it's like why do i want to eat four pints of ice cream why don't i want something like you know like really kind of get into the root of it and trying to figure out where all these come from is it you or is it an external force that's really kind of what I got out of all this. A very brainwashing heavy. So I'm thinking mainly like commercialism, I guess, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, with your ice cream example, I can totally see that. Yeah. I think that really echoes a lot of what Iroh was saying in the scene between him and Zuko in the in Appa's prison. Mm -hmm. Just the whole concept of, is it your destiny you're following or is it a destiny that someone else has tried to force on you? Yeah, because you never know. You could be like Zuko and think it's going one way or Jet. And then you're just really all along, Fang, all along, the better supervillain. <laughs> it's time for you to look inward and begin asking yourself the big questions. Yes. Always ask yourself the big questions. Who are you and what do you want? Yeah, for sure. Like, those are big ones. Like, what do you want and why? Yeah. I mean, yeah. really, those are kind of the questions that it all comes down to. Who are you as a person and what do you want out of this world? Like, yeah. a lot of therapy is wrapped up in yeah, it really honestly. is. I feel like maybe Tim was working through some stuff. Tim Hedrick was working through some stuff during this. Or had this. worked through some stuff and knew. Something, something to that effect, because it yeah. feels like a very personal episode. Yeah, it does. All right. Who is your MVP for this episode? Oh, man. I, I kind of want to give it to Smellerby and Longshot, actually. Yeah. As a unit. Yeah. Why? Maybe it's because I feel bad for them that they're losing Jet, but also they just have stayed by his side for this entire season. Yeah. Both seasons, actually. And even though he gave them so many opportunities to just leave him behind and move forward and, and forge their own life out of this new city, they just kept being there for him. And I think for someone who lost so much at such a young age, his family, his village, and to set out into the world alone, like it must have meant a lot to have someone there in his final moments. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. People who just wouldn't give up on him. Uh, it was actually more Smellerby for me, or I'm sorry, more long shot for me. But now that you're saying that, 
I think I agree. I think it's the both of them as a unit. Mm-hmm. Like they they really they were out looking for their friend and they found him weeks later, but they still found him. Um, they stuck with him through thick and thin, like life and death, literally. And yeah, I don't think there we ever see Smeller being long shot ever again. But I really would like to know what they do after that. Do they perish in there? Do they come out alive and they just kind of like bury their friend and move on? Like I, I re- I'm re- genuinely curious because they are both great characters both with their own very like almost progressive and modern kind of stories like Smellerby, we heard her talk about like you know how people keep misgendering her and how that's so frustrating Mm -hmm. for her and Longshot is this very like profound kid which is insane to think about in this kind of world and they Mm -hmm. both just kind of like pal around it's almost like a almost like a lone wolf and cub kind of scenario almost yeah it has that feel to it yeah Yeah. definitely well good news i know we see them at least one more time okay good i'm happy so they don't perish there although the final stand with with long shot knocking an arrow at the open door is like really dramatic very ominous and not good for them very ominous yeah yeah all right well with all of that being said that is all the time that we have for this episode want to take just another like every episode i want to do this and we both want to do this we just want to thank everyone for continuing to join us on these adventures through not only book one but now almost entirely done with book two and into book three oh my gosh as well as the books i already downloaded the audiobooks for kyoshi <gasps> so i am good to Yay! go yeah, Audible emailed me. They're like, hey, if you renew, we'll give you three books. And I was like, you got yourself a deal, Audible. <laughs> so those are ready to go. I'm very excited to get into those. And of course, Legend of Korra. If I didn't already say that, Legend of Korra, Legend of Korra, Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. And if you want to join me for further adventures, you can always do so over at twitch.tv slash booster Greg. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, I am still on a hiatus or coming back from a hiatus. Spoilers, we're recording this ahead a little bit, so I don't know. But if you join me there, if you give it a follow, when I do go live, you'll get a notification. So you'll be good to go. And if you just can't wait for that, I'm also on Twitter and everywhere on the internet at Booster Greg. Awesome. Yeah. Same goes for me. You can find me online at Acorn Bandit. You can also find me on Joysons.com, J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com which houses our two official Avatar yes. the Podcast pins, our big boy fluffy Appa friend, mm-hmm. and our blind bandit who mm-hmm. was designed by Greg and is yeah. phenomenal. I can't wait to get him. I'm so excited. <laughs> also, you can support us on Patreon. Yes. Head over to patreon.com slash avatar the podcast where we have some fun tiers set up for you to express yourself with your personal nation. Any support we get on Patreon is going to go straight back into the podcast. We could use the help with editing fees and stuff like that. So if you love the podcast and would love to support us, please consider shooting us a couple dollars every month. Yeah. Coming up next time. The fight for Zuko's soul. And the Dai Li conspiracy. All this and more next time on Avatar, Avatar the, the podcast. podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. 